and welcome to the latest Science of Sport podcast. I'm your host Matt Solomon and today I'm delighted to be joined by Jason Fairhelen. So Jason is the co-owner of Function and Strength, a sport performance gym in the USA. And he's worked there for over seven years, coaching athletes of all different ages and abilities. And in addition to that, he's also the author of the course, How to Improve Game Speed Using Multidirectional Power. So who better today to discuss how you can improve your game speed than Jason? So without further ado, it's time to welcome Jason onto the show. So Jason, welcome to the Science of Sport podcast. It's a pleasure to have you here. Awesome. Thank you, Matt. As I mentioned before, I've listened for a while, so it's great to finally be a guest here. Uh, you're, you're that one listener. It's, uh, it's nice to see that there's someone who's not just my mum listening. That's, uh, that's fantastic. He's very good. Um, so in terms of who you are, can you give us a quick introduction as to who you are and what you've been up to until now? For sure. Um, I'm a strength coach. I graduated college in 2007, so I've kind of been in the business for a while. The past seven years, I've co-owned a sports performance gym with a couple of other guys and lately kind of taken my career, especially since like COVID started in like kind of in a little bit more of an online presence, started doing more like presentations and seminars and, and those types of things. And here we are. Absolutely fantastic. And we're here today to discuss uh, game speed, which uh, is really interesting, right? So can you give us a quick rundown as to, to what game speed is and then why it's important? For sure. So if anyone ever goes on my Instagram account, I always refer to things as game speed. And I think of it this way versus like track speed or linear speed, because game speed, we can think about it in two different ways. Number one, it is the ability to create space on the field. So think of an offensive player in any sport. They're trying to separate themselves from a defensive player. And then the other part is you have to try to take away space. So if you're a defensive player, you're trying to take away space from that offensive player. And it's this game of like kind of chess on a field where you're reacting to different scenarios. But to me, there are two other things that kind of go along with that. It's the actual agility or perception to read and react to what someone is doing on the field. But the next part is where I think we as strength and conditioning sports performance coaches, even in like the rehab setting, can make the biggest difference. And it is the ability to improve your physical capacity to carry out what you actually perceive on the field. So a lot of times if people are thinking, oh, well, practice takes care of all of that, I always think, well, if that's the case, why don't we have way more elite athletes? Athletes are practicing more now than they ever have. So shouldn't we have better movers in general with that? So that's kind of how I, I break down game speed is that ability to create or take away space. And if we want to take that a step further, it is the ability to link movement patterns together. So for example, a side shuffle into a sprint or a back pedal into a side shuffle or a sprint forward. And the ability to link those different patterns is actually where you see game speed happen because you have to be able to link those well, either when you're trying to get past someone or create space or reacting to someone to take away space. And what, why is that all important then? Because it sounds kind of obvious that you want those things. That's this great, but like what, what kind of difference is that going to make for you? So as far as like on the field, and I think this is kind of, as strength coaches, we're married to numbers. And we think a lot of what someone's 40-yard time 
and I, I know you're in the UK, so meters, whatever you, you test that way. But we look at a lot of linear speed and those things are great, but that doesn't necessarily guarantee someone is elite on the field. And I know like American football is huge here in the United States. And in every February, they have the NFL combine. So athletes run their 40s and you can see like their 10 yard splits. They run a pro agility or a 5-10-5 and those types of things. But when you look at the people that have scored the best ever, they aren't necessarily the best football players ever. So to me, it, you have to take another step of when you watch someone on the field, you have to be able to see where they might not be able to perform specific movement patterns well or link different movement patterns well. And if you want to go into that even a little bit further the angles they take, the speed at which they go into a cut, and the ability to stop and decelerate out of a cut are all the things to look at specifically as to how someone might move on the field. And I think it's kind of developing that coach's eye of those things that we can make such a huge difference. And how, how does that vary from... Uh, like the physical aspects. So you, you mentioned kind of like speed going in, speed going out, but an athlete can be really fast and then not apply that. So how do those two things differ from each other? For sure. So when I think of acceleration, how is acceleration displayed on the field? It's not just straight ahead acceleration, which is what we typically practice all the time. It is how can you accelerate back at a 45 degree angle? How can you accelerate forward at a 45 degree angle? How can you slam on the brakes and go straight back? That to me is what acceleration is. So that's what needs to ultimately be practiced more than just that straight ahead speed. And if athletes can't perform those little patterns well, especially in a rehearsed environment, how can we expect them to ever do that well in a reactive environment? And I think that is kind of the biggest difference saying that, okay, we can just improve top end speed, we can just improve someone's acceleration, and then let agility drills take care of the rest of those things. We're still missing a step in between that of do they have the physical capacity to move well in all those different scenarios. So I'll give you an example of something I see often. And this could be any defensive player. So let's say I have a soccer player who plays on the right side of the field. The tendency for that player is to always open up to their right side whenever they're going backwards or retreating because typically an offensive player will try to beat them to the outside. And because they always perform that hip turn or open up to that right side, if I were to just say, all right, I want you to do it on your right side versus your left side in a rehearsed environment, they are way better going to that right side versus that left side because that's what they always practice on the field. So they're still missing that component. So there's kind of a missing physical capacity, which could get them exposed on the actual field of play. And those are the things I'm trying to find and then improve the physical capacity of that. So we always talk about what are, we want to improve someone's ability to move and create good movers, but what is that? And to me, it's the ability to move in any direction effectively link any movement patterns effectively at any speed and any angle. And how does that differ then between like 
uh, a physical limitation and potentially a cognitive limitation. So you you mentioned just just then um, that they, they might turn one way, but yep. the other way is more difficult. Um, yeah, you could be in a scenario where there's no physical difference left and right, but they they lack the coordination to do that. How how does that then differ in those kind of movement patterns? Sure. So things I like to do, I like to perform movement patterns just in a rehearsed environment. And this could be any sort of um, shuffle, lateral run, any of those types of things. And then put athletes in a reactive scenario in which they have to perform those movement patterns. And when they're in those reactive scenarios, that is your assessment as a coach to watch. Did they get beat? Did they were they able to keep that same distance between someone or was someone able to separate themselves from the athlete? And then you go back, you go back to a drill in which maybe you make it a little bit tougher and you see, all right, based off of what I saw in that reactive scenario, do they have the physical capacity to go through that? And if they don't, then it is like a coordination issue versus a actual like perception issue now if they have that physical capacity then we need to perform more side more drills on the side of agility to improve their ability to read and react to someone else yeah so that's kind of like a um almost like a filter system where you go okay it's not this one it's not that one we're going to do this so if it's if it's the physical side that's that's letting you down we can practice physical and if the physical side is good, then we can practice um, perception and agility. Absolutely. And, and that's kind of what I, every single drill you do is an assessment. And if someone has the ability to perform a rehearsed drill well, there's no point in continuing to stick to that drill because they essentially own that movement skill and that physical capacity. So you need to find a way to make it tougher. And obviously like the more speed you have going into a turn or the tougher the angle, the harder it's going to be to get in and out of that movement effectively. So you need to find creative ways in order to do that and then keep challenging their physical capacity while still looking at their ability to perceive and read and react to people on the field. And just keep going back and forth between those things. And how, how did you start to adjust training to allow for that? So obviously you're, you're in a situation where potentially you've got um, gym-based training, but you've also got field-based training. How are you going to modify the environment to ensure that those kind of um, demands are met? So a lot of the times I, I like one-on-one -on -one skills, particularly for the coach. And I, I understand that in the gym, there's a lot of things that we, we don't have that someone would have in practice even or on a field. For instance, like we're not using any tool. We don't have anything in our hands. It's like if someone's playing lacrosse, they don't have that lacrosse stick. Or, or something like that. Someone's not dribbling a, a soccer ball, which would totally change everything. So we can't get 100% specific, but we can get pretty close. So my speed work, I'll divide it up into three different scenarios. I'll just call it like attacking drills, anything moving forward. And I'm working at all angles and scenarios where someone's moving forward. Another day, and that would even include linear speed. Another day, I just want to see someone move side to side. And a third day, I would work on retreating drills because otherwise it gets kind of too difficult. There's too many things where you might not be able to target something enough that it actually kind of sticks a little bit. So that's the way I like to kind of divide up 
those things. And it would always be put them in a, a few rehearsed drills, kind of get them warmed up, give them a reactive scenario, go back to a rehearsed drill, go back to that reactive scenario. And ultimately, like the space you have, the athletes you have, that's kind of up to you as the coach to find that way to challenge them based off of like how you set athletes up one-on-one. And what, what can coaches then do to, to ensure that athletes are being challenged there? So let's say you've got, um, I don't know, uh, 10 athletes and a relatively small space. How might that then differ from um, having very few athletes in a large space? How, how do the coaches need to adjust those kind of settings to, to get the, the adaptations which they desire? So the number one rule I would have is you want athletes to be successful about two thirds of the time. And I heard that from Rob Gray and he wrote the book, How We Learn to Move, because that puts them in a state of learning. So it doesn't matter the space that you have, you need to find ways to put them in a position where they're going to be successful two thirds of the time. And maybe it's changing up the spacing one-on-one versus someone, like even just like a chase drill, you might have someone much closer if athletes are a little bit more equal to, to each other you might give someone like another meter or two head start you know depending on things like that but other things we need to consider in small spaces versus big spaces is the actual time that the drill takes so in bigger spaces athletes can typically get up to higher speeds we're essentially if we we're focusing on quality reps and actual speed training versus conditioning we're going to actually have to limit the amount of uh, number of reps that we're doing within a given session. Otherwise, they're just going to get too tired and yeah, it just turns into conditioning. Now, if conditioning is what you're going for. That, that's something different. But in shorter settings and shorter spaces, we can get in a lot more reps. And let's say we keep our drills to about two to four seconds in general, we can still cover like five to 10 yards or so with, within that two to four seconds pretty easily, even with a couple changes of direction and still keep quality pretty high and, and going back to that. So as far as like how someone might even program that in the beginning of an off season program, stick to shorter drills. And then as an off season goes on, progress the drills a little bit longer where you're adding in more speed to the drill by adding more distance to the drill. Nice. So can you give us a quick uh, rundown of how you would do that with some practical examples? Because I think this is some, some really interesting information, but I'm interested to see how you apply that as well. Right. So can you give us like a, a case study as to how you might do that in, uh, like you just mentioned, in a, an off-season program? For sure. So let's just use like a circle drill as an example. So let's say I, I have a circle and it's just going to be, and well, I'll, I'll say two circles. So Athletes are going to run like a figure eight around that circle. In the beginning of the off season, I might have those circles a little bit smaller. So speed is going to be limited because they have to make a turn fairly quickly. And that could just be like a simple chase drill. All right. So I have two athletes set up. Second person's going to react to the first person and they could just weave around there. I limit it to four seconds before you can catch the other athlete. Then let's say I just have one bigger circle later on and I might say, all right, we're still doing that same chase drill. You have seven seconds to catch this athlete. So I'm increasing the speed at which they could move just because I've increased the size of the circle 
And I've also increased the time at which they have, which means their speed is also going to increase just because they have more time to build up that acceleration. Awesome. Awesome. And um, how, how does that then relate to the game speed stuff, right? So you obviously you're, you're chasing around a circle, but how does that then relate to the, the things you mentioned earlier about perception and uh, linking those motor patterns? So let's go back to like the first figure eight. So in the first figure eight, let's say the person who's like the mouse, the person being chased, they can change direction or go around that figure eight however they want. They might even be able to just cut straight across. If, if not through the circle, but instead yeah, of like yeah. making the, the turn through the figure eight, they just go straight across. If they feel like, uh, or even like the cat could go another direction around that figure eight. So they have to sense someone either on their back or turning and cutting the other direction. So now it's their ability to perform a curved run well and also slam on the brakes at a tough angle and then go back the other direction. And even performing other drills, you could say like, I'll, I'll do my best explaining a, a drill like this. All right, so... Defensive player is standing in the middle of two sets of cones. The sets of cones are about, say, like five yards to their right or five yards to their left. An offensive player is maybe 10 yards, five to 10 yards away from the defensive player. So just picture kind of like a, a triangle setup. The offensive player is going to go through either the set of cones to the right or the set of cones to the left. All right, now how do I make that more difficult for that defensive player? I keep backing them up further and further and further. So essentially they have to run towards the offensive player, read and react, and then commit to it. Now the closer they are to that offensive player from the beginning, it's easier to read and react because neither player has too much speed built up yet. But as both players increase speed, the, uh, the advantage goes to the offensive player. Because at a higher yeah. speed, the defensive player, it's going to be more difficult for them to then move the direction that they need to go just because they have more speed built up to that. So yeah. that, that's kind of one example. And you just change the distance between the, the, the cones. You could also change the distance between one athlete to the other one. So in the beginning, in a shorter scenario, it's probably more of like a shuffle type drill just because they're in a much tighter space. Whereas once they get to larger spaces, that becomes more of like curbed run, a lateral run, a, a straight ahead linear sprint, you know, into maybe a lateral run back the other way, depending on how the athlete cuts. Hope I did an okay job explaining that. It's kind of difficult to explain some of these agility drills where people are reacting. But essentially the idea is you add more distance to it to add more speed into it and that's what makes it more difficult particularly for the defensive player i think that's absolutely excellent so uh jason where can people find a little bit more information about you and what you're up to my instagram account i post there regularly um there's a, a ton of videos speed even like uh plyometric related on how to develop power within these linking patterns that i talked about and that's just at jason fairheller and that's my first and last name J-A-S-O-N-F-E-A-I-R-H-E-L-L-E-R. -E -E and then I have some programs, have a multi-directional power course on improving game speed. 
And that's at multidirectionalpower.com. Absolutely fantastic. So Jason, massive thanks for your time and effort today. I really appreciate it. And I look forward to speaking again soon. Thank you so much, Matt. This was awesome. Thank you very much, buddy. Cheers. And that's it. Once again, a massive thanks to Jason for all of his hard work on today's podcast. I really appreciate it. I'm sure you do own too. Before you leave, I want to point you in the direction of the Science of Sport Coach Academy. The Coach Academy is a series of sports science courses broken down into bite-sized chunks. So if you're interested in getting into the Coach Academy, you can do that by hitting the link in the show notes in just a few seconds time, where you can get in there completely for free for the next seven days. In addition, all of the courses you complete come with a certificate of completion, and that means you improve your ongoing education. And in addition to that, it would be fantastic if you enjoyed today's podcast, you can recommend it to a coach, a colleague, an athlete, or a friend. That means that we can keep bringing the best possible guests and best possible content. And that's it. Once again, a massive thanks from me. I'm Matt Solomon for Science of Sport, and I'll speak to you next week.